we made a practice each night at dinner to say, all right, what went well for you? And I can assure you there were days when I was like, nothing's gone well. <laughs> it's been really crappy. <laughs> but we would force each other to just find something and it just made such a difference. Welcome back to the Mindset Mastery Podcast. My guest today has an inspiring story of resilience from surviving a paralyzing illness, a gunpoint kidnapping, a life-threatening tsunami and petrol bombs. Heidi Denning works with leaders and their teams to help them work at their fullest potential in the face of change, stress and uncertainty that we face in life. She's dedicated her career to help thousands of people all around the world develop resilience, self-leadership and greater well-being with programs for people from all backgrounds and walks of life. Here to share her story and help us build resilience in our lives is international speaker, author and educator, Heidi Denning. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Rachel. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. I'd just love to hear a bit more about your story in your own words, just from the brief description that I gave, how your experiences have now led you to wanting to help other people build resilience in their lives. Yeah, well, I, uh, I, I suppose I've always been in the kind of health and education umbrella and always been an educator, whether that's been from pimply hormonal cocktail teenage girls uh, in secondary schools or small children on Pacific Islands through to now when I work with leaders and their teams, I, you know, it's all education. And I've just, I just believe that's, uh, you know, been such a big part of my life and it always will be, you know, to be able to see people change and transform. I don't know if there's much better in life. So just to get up every day and know that there's a possibility that you can make an impact, a positive one to someone's life has really been what has led me uh, down this path. You know, have gone from, oh, gosh, you know, a no, you know as, you, as you said in the intro, a number of ad different adversities that I've had to overcome at different times in my life from when I was 11 and I, I woke up one morning with the, I just had lost use of my legs and I had just caught this random virus uh, that had, meant that I couldn't walk for the next eight months. The doctors actually thought, well, they said to us, myself and my parents, that there was a 75% chance that I would spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair. And, you know, I didn't know it back then, but what I know now looking back is that when we went from specialist to specialist, trying to find an answer and trying to find a way forward, it was one that we came across who gave me hope. And I think hope is such a strong emotion to have. It really helps us to move forward during tough times. And I think when everyone has gone through such a challenging experience over the last 20 months, that when we get that little glimpse of hope again, a little bit of a brighter future that we can strive towards and move towards, Oh, that just makes such a difference. And I believe that things that I've learned, even back then when I was 11, have really helped me to inspire and empower teams when I work with them or, or audiences from stage or through, through screens, which I've been doing a lot of the last two years, to not just give hope to a brighter future, but 
also to incorporate my the science-backed strategies that I, you know, I have a science-backed education degree, but I've applied them to real life. You know, I, I have been forced into a car with an AK-47 at my head. I have made the the final I love you goodbye call to my husband as a life-threatening tsunami approached. And I've woken up in a room with flames and smoke because petrol bombs have been thrown at my bedroom. And I think what I feel is unique with what I'm doing and sharing on a day-to-day basis is it's it's formulas and strategies and tools and tips that I've read in textbooks. But I say they've I've put them through the Heidi filter of various adversities to make sure that they actually work for real life situations. And even if they're not big dramatic ones like those, uh, everyone has really experienced many real life adversities and challenges um, lately. And we've all had to dig deep with many people have hit rock bottom and we've had to find a way to get ourselves out. And I certainly, you know, even though I've had those kind of big ones, I have definitely found what has happened during COVID to really impact me. And I've had to climb myself out of rock bottom again and reuse the strategies that I put in place, practice what I preach, dig deep into my resilience toolkit so that I can keep standing and smiling as well. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, it's just one of those things with life, isn't it? There's always going to be those adversities at different times in our life and to have the tools there. So I'd love to know from, from you and your experience, what is, I guess, like the key, the main thing about having resilience that you can go back to when you're experiencing these hard times? Well, Rachel, I think, you know, resilience has actually been used a lot over the last mm. two years, right? It, you know, all of a sudden, everyone uh, talks about resilience, all of it, you know, what are we absolutely trying to, trying to, to, that, to say that word a lot over the last number of years. But thankfully, uh, it is something that people are finding incredibly relevant right now. But what I think has happened is that the word's been diluted a little bit for it because of its overuse. And I believe that it has not been used in the way that it should. Because people keep referring to you are only a resilient person or you're only a resilient team or organization if you have the ability to bounce back. Now, I actually don't believe that we bounce back after challenges. I, I believe if we are to define ourselves as resilient, then what it means we've done is we've been able to extract a learning from the challenge we've gone through, adapt that to whatever the new situation is, new challenge, new new program, new process, whatever, new product. And so we can move forward. So we can actually bounce forward, not back. We don't want to go back to the way we were. In fact, we won't ever go back to the way we were. And I think when we've gone through challenge and adversity, fundamentally something does change on the inside of us and I know for a fact that through my adversities I've never come out the same I've and that's a good thing because what I've done is reflect on what I've been I've learned from those experiences and I think if we can all do that reflect on what we have learned adapt those insights so we can continue to move forward and progress in this world, then that is really what we want to be able to do. That is true resilience, 
to be able to keep moving forward, to get up one more time so that we uh, can continue to share the gifts that we all have for this world. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. So important. Would it be correct to look at it in, you know, going through something like personal adversity and like personal resilience is different to going through something in your job, like with your team in your workplace, it's kind of come at it from a different way. Because I think when we experience personal adversity, you can obviously, you know, feel alone a lot of the time, but when it's something in, in a work setting, it's more like it's the team around you and then looking at that strategies in like a group setting. So would you approach it in a different way to build those different kinds of, of skills and resilience for different circumstances? Yeah, look, I think it really does depend on the, the team and the organisation and whether there is an open and transparent kind of culture that allows people to speak up when they're going through either personal struggles or within the team. You know, not all, not all workplaces allow for people to talk when they're feeling a little wobbly, like I like to say, they, you know, there's still a stigma around mental ill health. I mean, some data that was released just recently with uh, Superfund, uh, they had they did a survey with over 10,000 employees and it showed that 42% of them had had a mental health issue over the last year. And PwC and Atlassian have actually put together a really interesting uh, research study and what they found is that 60, 69% of those surveyed said they would prefer to forego a pay rise if they knew that they were working in a mentally healthy culture at work where their mental health was prioritised. And I just think, you know, that in itself, that people would prefer them, prefer to ensure that their mental health, their physical health, their social is prioritised over money is where we've really seen a shift over the last two years. People have understood that, right, I, I, like I, I cannot be in a place that will compromise me, will not acknowledge me, will burn me out. They, they just won't have it. So in answer to your question, I think, yes, we, we do approach team resilience differently, perhaps to our personal resilience. But it has to start with the individual. You know, we have to, you know, even for leaders, they can't expect people to walk with them or to be asking people to do things if they're not doing it themselves. And, you know, it has to start on a personal level for individuals before we can put it to the team. But, you know, there are so many strategies that a team can do together to ensure that they are resilient enough. But it first starts with an open and transparent culture that they feel it's okay to, to talk out loud about these matters. Yeah, definitely. So how can organisations start to build more of that culture and then some of the things they can implement? Because there's been a lot of like employee turnarounds and like lower employee retention over the recent times. I think a lot of people are rethinking about the organisations they work with and, you know, so how can organizations step up to then support their employees especially in times like the last 20 months absolutely I mean we we keep hearing this expression the great resignation that's going on and people are as you said just really resetting themselves and deciding right what is really important to me you know we've we've all learned if we've not known before that life can just change in a heartbeat so what do I want to do with my life to make sure that I'm living it 
to the best of my ability. And, you know, when we spend 90,000 hours of our lives at work, <laughs> uh, don't do the maths on that, by the way, where, how many hours you've already spent can be a bit depressing, how many you've got left. But when we're spending 90,000 hours of our lives at work, you know, we, it's got to be a place that is going to serve us well. So, I mean, organisations do, if they're, if they're wanting to attract and retain the most talented people within their industry, they are going to have to make some definite adaptions to what was okay, say, two, three, five years ago. It's not the same, completely different environment. But the very first thing is that it's got to come from leadership. You know, leadership have to walk their talk and they have to be doing the right thing for themselves so that it is, is a genuine, you know, genuine strategies that they're wanting to put in place because they are doing it themselves. We, I have a, a program called a resilience expert in residence where I actually go into organizations and help them with their workplace well-being strategies. You know, we often know that even though there's people internally that can very educated on training and development, it's like, you know, it's like your, your partner telling you things that someone else may tell you that you'll listen to but if your partner tells you you're not going to listen to them and it's the same within organizations just having external people for training and development one thing we did know that I suppose at the beginning of 2020 when everyone it was so unknown and uncertain training and development but what we do know with emerging the emerging generation is that career progression and the accumulation of knowledge and new challenges is absolutely crucial to them. So they are always looking for organisations that will continue to progress them, will still continue to train them professionally in new skills and upskill them. So I think certainly um, as an organisation, that training and development component is definitely important. I think we we know there's about a 24% profit increase for companies that prioritise training and development. So certainly that is uh, one thing to ensure that you are retaining clients, staff, and we know that we can be resilient as an organisation when we're retaining great people and attracting great people. So when change happens, you've got the right people in the right places who are willing to do what it takes for you. I say people plus profits. You know, I know we've we've often talked that we need to put people before profits, but of course, if there's not a profitable organisation, there can't be any people. <laughs> so that's just the business reality. But what we don't want is that the, the health and well-being and the opportunities of the people are at detriment to profits being made. And I think when that's in front of mind for leaders, then they, they are setting themselves up for success in regards to a resilient organisation. Yeah, that's awesome, awesome points and ideas there. If we take it to a personal level, what are some things that we can practice in our lives that will help to kind of set us up for when we do face challenges and change and adversities so that, you know, we've got some kind of foundation and some kind of rock there to go from? Yeah, I, I've been uh, talking a lot about what I call CPRing your life right now. And it's an acronym. The C stands for cutoff. And I think, you know, when so many people are still working from home, you know, we're now in going to be in this flexible work arrangement ongoing where 
There will be some days people will work at home. So they're working and living within the same four walls. Of course, it has been a lot worse, especially if you've been in New South Wales and Victoria, you've been living and working in the same four walls for far too long. <laughs> so first of all, to CPR your life, you need to have a cutoff. And that is something that you distinguish between work life and home life, something that you put on the in-between. Now that can be what one organisation I worked with talked about, they they say that they're going on a blocky and they walk around the block. And, it, you know, it can be if you're on a little block, in a, like I'm a, in a little suburb with little blocks, it doesn't take very long. But just to have that blocky, that kind of signifies, right, work's done now. When I come back, I'm stepping into home life, even though it's in the same four walls. Mm. Or it could be just taking the shower, changing your clothes, lighting a candle, you know, pouring the glass of wine that you do while you're cooking. If you're living in a very small place and all your devices can be seen and can't be locked away in a room, put a towel on them. But have that cut off so that you really can make sure that it's not just this one blur of work and home life. That is what has been a real struggle for so many people. The P for CPR stands for play. And, you know, COVID sucked the living life of the joy out of our world and all the things we've often loved to do that has put a smile on our face and made us laugh out loud and feel light and, and wonderful was taken away. You know, travel, catching up with friends and family, going uh, to shows, whatever that may look like, playing team sport, all those things that brought us joy we need to put back in place now. And it might not be yet that we can put the same things in place, but we need to ensure that we've got some play, something that does make us smile and make us feel good about life. And I, I think once we do that, that it just it kind of takes this burden of, oh, and just another day, the same old, same old day that we've all experienced, the monotony. And R is for recovery. You know, we need to rest. We need to find the best ways to fall asleep and stay asleep. And I also talk about R being reflect, reflecting on what has gone well, because I think once, you know, when we've had such challenging times, there's days, many days when it has felt like not a lot it goes well. And this is something actually a psychologist taught me years ago when I had survived a violent crime about, you know, I had a crippling insomnia because of the waking up in a life-threatening situation after the petrol bombs were thrown at my room. And I just couldn't go to sleep. I'm hypervigilant, always looking for danger. And she, she told me about this kind of what went well strategy, where if I go to bed thinking about what's gone well for the day, it it just makes me feel a little optimistic rather than the last thing I think about is fear. And it's just been such a great practice that I've done by myself at the end of every day. But when COVID hit last year and as a, as a speaker, you know, I lost 90% of my income and business within three days. My husband also has a small business. We were really struggling with dealing with it all. And we made a practice each night at dinner to say, all right, what went well for you? And I can assure you, there were days when I was like, nothing's gone well. <laughs> it's been really crappy. Yep. God. <laughs> but we would force each other to just find something. And it just made such a difference. And I know not everybody's got someone at home that they can do that with, but 
for years I did it by myself, you know, just in my head, but perhaps people can journal it. They might have a friend they could text it to, to each, each night. But when you get in the habit of scanning your day, even the tough ones to have just that moment of, yeah, that was okay today. That made me smile. It truly can give a new perspective on life. We get that dopamine hit uh, that we all need and we all will continue to need it so that the world will continue to change and be uncertain. And I really think that practice of CPRing on a daily basis will be of great benefit to anyone who's listening who might be going through personal or professional struggles. Yeah, really, really great. I love that. I think these things are only small. They don't take a lot of time to do, but I think the importance is these small things are the big things really when it it looks at how it affects the rest of your day. So yeah, I love those ideas. They're like little micro changes that you do daily, habitually. You've got to do them habitually, of course, Uh, can have such big impacts and you know, I think as humans, we, we always think that complex strategies are, are the, the really good strategies. And if I, there's like all these things I have to do, then, oh, that must mean it's really, really good. And But it's not, you know, it's the simple, simple things like, you know, I talk a lot about mindset management, which, of course, is, um, you know, a lot to do with what you're, you're doing, Rachel, and spreading around the world. But, uh, you know, when we're feeling a bit blurt and down and there's three things that I teach and I do myself that can just turn that feeling of blurt into a feeling of lightness and, and, and happiness of moving your body, laughing out loud and listening to a really great song. You know, they're three such simple ways to really manage your mindset and been doing this great activity when we've been doing it with teams where, you know, my, my go-to song is for when I'm feeling a bit down and out is the killer's Mr. Brightside. It always just like puts so much energy into my body and I just just feel awesome. I've got it bookmarked. And if I'm going into anything, like even when, you know, pre-COVID, when we used to get to speak on stages, I'd be like in the curtains, just humming the song in my mind and it would dissipate my nerves and just energize me. And what we've been doing is getting everybody in a team to put that their favorite song in the chat and we'd be making a Spotify uh, Spotify playlist for that team just so they can all go to it when they just feel they need that uplifting that we've all needed but yeah that one song can make a huge difference yeah that's or awesome. or to go to Instagram and have a look at what Celeste Barber has um, posted <laughs> for the day but she's just so funny oh they're really really great like state changing exercises just like that one that I find I've been doing just in you know more recent times I used to do it years ago and then I kind of just went away everything has gone well in life so didn't really need to do it anymore but just waking up in the morning and the first thing that I do is just force myself to crack a smile and just you know because it gives you that immediate dopamine hit and yeah that just changes the the state of the day immediately before you've had time to get up look at your phone like none of that just do that and it just like kind of sets the scene for the day so oh I'm gonna definitely try that I've not done that before I would definitely do that so can you tell me about some of the work that you do if people want to work with you on like personally Mm. or with organizations how do you help people 
Yeah, well, I I run one one thing that's happened from this year is that I've curated all the kind of best work that I've been doing for this particular current in business environment into a program which I call the Resilience Recharge Program. And it's a virtual one where I'm live with teams for either three or five lots of 30-minute programs because I think, you know, everyone is have had a lot of Zooming and you long, long sessions are not what everyone needs right now. So they're kind of bite-sized virtual sessions where we do practical strategies, but they're really uplifting and fun and easy peasy to implement, to have an action plan at the end of each one that we come together. And depending on the company, whether they want weekly, fortnightly or a monthly rhythm, but I've had such success with that. And just, I think when everybody has felt that, you know, people are really struggling, they've struggled this year and they've been hanging on with their fingernails really. And the whole goal was to not only give people, you know, strategies that will work in this current environment, but ones that will be uplifting as well. Because I think you've got, you've got to have that. It's got to be a bit of fun and enjoyable. And yeah, I've just, I've just loved doing these sessions with companies. And, you know, I've got a, a webpage with all the benefits and some and all the different inclusions on my website, HeidiDenning.com. But I'd love to have a chat with anyone who felt that their team could be, be of benefit to it. Oh, that's awesome. And we'll put that link in the show notes below as well when you finish the episode. Heidi, as the, the final question that I love to ask everyone, what is your biggest belief about becoming the master of your own mindset? Yeah, I, I believe that we need to be the boss of our thoughts, not the slave to them. And it, you know, we have this kind of first reactive, when things happen, we kind of have this immediate reaction, which I call our, our, our you know, being the slave to our thoughts because it just happens. But it's that acknowledgement piece. It's like, all right, I'm just acknowledging right now that I have not gone into a very positive outlook on this. What can I do to flip those thoughts into the positive, into something a little more optimistic? So I am the boss of how I think. And, you know, that is where, you know, the killers do do a great job for me. A Celeste Barber does a great job for me. And movement does a great job for me that, you know, sometimes I can get out in the fresh air, going out in nature of always lifts mood and mindset. But if not, just to be able to do something right here near my chair that will lift my mindset. They, they are my go-to strategies all the time because mastering our mindset is absolutely crucial if we are to be able to deal with uncertainty and overwhelm and the stress we don't even know is on the horizon, the curveballs, the cannonballs, the, the pandemics, the petrol bombs, how we, how we think about them is absolutely crucial to being able to move forward out of challenging times. I love that answer. Heidi, thank you so much for sharing and coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. And to you, Jerry, Rachel. Thanks so much. What is one thing that has gone well for you today? Share it with your family at dinner, call a friend, write it down for yourself in your journal. You know what they say, every day may not be good, but there's something good in every day. If you'd like to find out more about Heidi's work or connect with her on social media, you can head to the show notes below. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with one person who would also find value in what we talked about. 
I can't wait to have your company again next week. Until then, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.